Hello and welcome to the Fat Moon Podcast, a platform for creative therapists to connect and learn from each other. My name is Kirsty Green, and I'm an art therapist with a passion for bringing together community. Each Fat Moon episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing a creative therapist from around the globe. The intention is to offer listeners insight into our peers' pathways, professions, and interests in methodologies. It's my hope that this podcast inspires and educates the collective by building bridges between our disciplines, settings, experiences, and our cultures. The Fat Moon podcast is created, recorded, and inspired on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to elders past and present and to any Aboriginal people listening today. So welcome all. Please enjoy today's guest and our rich discussion. Hello and welcome to the Fat Moon Podcast. Today's guest is Louise Weston, residing in Nam, Melbourne, Australia. Louise is an artist and an art therapist specialising in neurodivergence. Louise works out of a private practice and a clinic. It's worth mentioning that Louise and I studied our master's together, so we have a long relationship, and I will be referring to her as Lou. Welcome, Lou. Well, oh, hi. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you <laughs> and for saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really, this is great. I just wanted to say well done on this. It's, I love the podcast. I've signed up to Patreon. I just think it's wonderful. Love the graphic, love the background, love your voice, all of it. <laughs> Thanks, fan. Lou. Thank you for being You're here. You're welcome. Thank you for Thanks sharing for that me. feedback. <laughs> if you don't mind um, starting the interview with sharing a little bit about your background and your pathway to becoming an art therapist. Sure. This feels very indulgent. Um, <laughs> so my background, <laughs> my background's actually in graphic design. I've been drawing since I was about two um, and, you know, would, yeah, cover dining tables and pool tables with all of my designs and I would make mini houses and my parents were very um, good in helping nurture that and and let me explore my inner mess, which will come up a bit later, I think, with my clients. I was very grateful for that. Um, and then I pursued following a path in graphic design just because it felt a bit more employable and like it had a future. So I was in graphic design. I went and did my um, bachelor and worked in graphic design for about 25 years and worked in all sorts of things like illustration and publishing and um, production design and packaging and everything and found it to be excitingly brutal (laughs) Um, in the nineties, it was a bit, it was a bit hardcore. Like I was working around the clock and, um, I I think I loved that energy and lived for it, but, but it did burn out and sort of got sick of working with products and wanted to work with people. I think I had a bit of imposter syndrome working with people. I didn't feel like I was qualified or experienced enough until I realized that my own lived experience was going to bring me into the four there um and then I did run a business with my sisters for 12 years which was awesome in helping us all have like my daughter was literally six weeks old when we signed up for that so Mm. (laughs) again um yeah hit the ground running there 
And what happened for me, and this is where my lived experience came in, was I was finding I was relating to my kids in a way that I needed to be related to and communicated to, which I thought was just sort of, you know, what everyone went through. Hmm. And I was finding I was troubleshooting um, events at school for my kids on a blackboard with drawings and pictograms and without even realising it, I was making social stories to help them cope. And somebody said to me, oh, you you should look into art therapy. So I pursued it just for my own family so that I could help my own family and Hmm. back when my children were diagnosed that was 12 years ago now and the system was very deficit based and a really grueling experience and quite a like wading through mud is the best Hmm. way I could navigate it. I didn't realize at the time I was more than likely experiencing trauma as were they um and I know the services were all well-meaning but they're quite against how I sort of the philosophies I take now Mm -hmm. so it was about sort of corrective measures and helping them fit in and helping them realize what people wanted and them change this and us change that and it it didn't come the other way very often Mm -hmm. so I needed something to balance that out because it just wasn't sitting well with me at all in my nervous system or anything. So my way of balancing them out was to sit and create with them and make mess with them and draw with them and communicate this way. Mm. And then I think it just organically, like the first course I did was actually a transpersonal art therapy course and I brought all my own stuff Mm. (laughs) into the mix there and Mm -hmm. used it as my own therapy really um but also felt like I educated a lot uh on neurodivergence Mm. and yeah then I you know really wanted to similar to yourself I guess I, I really wanted to make sure that um you know, I pursued the masters that would give me the experience and the clinical experience and the placement and the you know, the care planning and the case notes and everything so that I could, um, you know, step into this in a really, uh, in a more professional way and a way that would benefit, you know, my clients um, as much as, as much as possible. Mm. So, yeah, that's how I got into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're currently running your own private practice. Yeah, I didn't know exactly if I would do that. Mm-hmm. What started to happen was I was just getting work by word of mouth and it just kept coming in. And mm-hmm. I always felt a little bit unsure because I was providing my own studio space, which is separate from my home. But um, what I realised was I knew that would be a type of space my children would prefer to attend instead mm-hmm. of a clinical sort of space. Mm-hmm. And even the clinical practice, I mean, one day a week, there's rabbits there and dogs there and it's neuroaffirming and you can be whoever you need to be. So that very much works in with me. And so uh, just sort of organically, I guess, my studio started to build up and I started to continue to get more work. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, yeah, so that's when I started my practice called Creating Insights. So I've been doing that maybe five years, I guess, now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love it. I hear from clients and parents that, you know, it f- feels like a really different space for them. And mm-hmm. if I feel like the, the parent or the carer needs something or if something's not feeling regulated, you know, I'll invite them in and mm. we'll, we'll all work together. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many different ways of using the space that takes away uh, any other I'm going to keep relating it back to my experience because sitting in a really clinical environment just didn't suit my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now my my sons actually work with their own art therapist who's, um, you know, uh, non-binary, neurodivergent and works online mm. and you've interviewed them mm. and they're amazing. And it just, I love that. I love that they're finding this work is you know, working so well for them as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And are you working with a variety of ages? Is that? Yeah. So my youngest is probably, um, you know, around five. Mm. And I have worked right up until 99, but at the moment probably my oldest is around 42. Yeah. Uh, And just by default, the clients that I tend to attract, um, all fit into into some sort of neurodivergent frame. Um, even you know, I'm even enjoying working with my own father at the moment, who's you know got an acquired brain injury. So it's just been mm. so lovely to work with him and share this experience. Mm. He's 86, and it's it really does show what art therapy can do. It's been it's just been so magical in that way. Mm. Yeah. So most of my clients are sort of primary school and secondary school. I've done a lot with transition, transitioning to from grade six to primary school. And mm. I do see, you know, a good handful of young adults as well who are sort of navigating their independence and and everything, as well as a couple that are sort of older in their 30s and 40s as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm assuming that's all individual work, but I know as well you do have um programs that you develop and yes. aspire to yes. offer. So currently my work is individual apart from the school holidays mm-hmm. where I will bring um some of my individual clients together. Mm. And that's just so neuroaffirming and so lovely. Mm. Uh, I was up until recently working with Autism Camp Australia, doing groups down at Queen's Cliff and absolutely adore that work. Mm. And I have um, used a program I developed in my master's actually um, for a school and that was an eight to ten week program um, based on some philosophies I sort of use um in at the start of all of my sessions I it's um I I sort of start off with I am I am safe I am strong I am creative I am loved I'm expressive I am wise so that's where the sort of the seven weeks we got to work on all of those Mm. um yeah so um that's based on recovery oriented practice so I learned quite a lot of of that when I was working um, 
at two units, so um, with adolescents in an adolescence unit and then in an mm. adults unit. Yeah, so all of my work sort of has some sort of framework behind it, as it should. Um, mm. Yeah, so... Yeah, did I answer that question? <laughs> yeah, you totally answered that question. And what I about? Off. No, no, it's fantastic. Um, what about now? Are you are you finding that you're drawn to any new information or approaches or frameworks or people? Is there something that's got your attention Definitely. right now? Definitely. Um, yeah. I'm very keen on the lived experience education and advocation that's advocacy that's that's happening at the moment um Mm. i'm i'm really happy to say you know that you know it's that sort of not about us without us and it means that i can encourage my clients if they want to do sort of similar work where they inspire or help people Mm. um i'm really keen on learning more about girls and gender diverse individuals and women and where they fit in there's so much late diagnosis where um young women and gender diverse individuals have been sort of told their borderline personality disorder or all these other things and then treated um just yeah I see a lot of trauma in Mm. that respect Uh, so that is you know of great interest and very passionate to me, I see a lot of late diagnosed stories coming out more and more and more. Mm. And then you kind of got to go back to, you know, how that impacted early life and things like that. Mm. Um, I work relationally. I always explain uh, to parents or carers when I'm going to be working with their child that I'm not behaviour-based. My, my sons have experienced behaviour-based therapies and um which is completely okay if that's what you're after but for me it felt corrective and um it's for our experience of it was quite damaging Mm. um and so I you know I'm really keen to make sure that the experience is client-led and person-led and um you know unconditional positive regard and you know really big on acceptance and commitment to that acceptance Mm. and positive identity and I always say you know it's not about me going wow you're amazing you're so strong and everything it's got to be authentic Mm. um and sort of coming into authenticity as well I use a lot of declarative language with my clients um and just sort of take away that need for any pressure or to answer correctly and explain to them you know we can pivot at any time we can move around at any time this is your space uh Mm. and I have to say all my clients work so differently Mm. to each other so differently it's it's amazing my biggest challenge I think would be keeping up with um uh people's special interests Mm. (laughs) yep Sometimes I forget that there's 79 moons around Jupiter (laughs) (laughs) or I'll, you know, I'll mix up my Dungeons and Dragons with, you know, Harry Potter or, and and I really don't mean to, Uh, I really try really hard, but I I throw myself in the mix (laughs) and I make fun of myself a lot and I point out my grey sparkly hairs and say, this will be you one day. So, um, yeah, so... 
What other things do I work with? I do work with the body a lot. Um, mm. I really love teaching, especially young kids, how to recognise when their body's sending them a message and mm. how to work somatically with that and, and that the body's always got a message to tell you so that um, can help them before they might sort of spiral down. Very early on in my assessments, I um, get a gauge of whether how people respond to stress. So, mm-hmm. you know, are you the type of person that might, you know, run away or do you sort of come home and fall asleep in freeze mode or, you know, mm. are you likely to sort of like, you know, arc up and <laughs> have mm. a bit of an argument or something? So we go in, I go into that polyvagal work a lot as well and, and let young people know that their body's an, always an indicator and mm. and that they 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 can have control over their thoughts and and you know we we even sort of name our we come up with little characters for our silly little thoughts that aren't helping us in the moment and we come up yeah. with little monsters and you know things like that so um yeah really you know positive identity is really important because a lot of my clients are you know, finding the school system in particular really difficult to navigate. And um, so it's really important, like I said earlier, if I need to bring the parent or carer in to session, I will. Mm. Um, And I'm proud of being able to sort of help support families with school learning plans and things like that too and educating that way. Mm. But I, I don't want my I don't want my clients to go through what my kids went through. So yeah. <laughs> mm. You sound like a joy to work with. <laughs> I um I've been um I'm very grateful for the the practice that I'm in. It's very neuroaffirming. Um yep. and that's helped me in my own work to unmask myself a bit. Like I do make mistakes and mm. I'll ask kids for help and I'll say, oh, gosh, you taught me so much or, mm. um, you know, I'd love nothing more than seeing a child have such a difficult time coming to the session, like hardly even get out of the car, mm. you know, and then get to a point where they're throwing paint around and, <laughs> you know, some of my clients need the paint right up to their armpits and others you know, just need a grey lead pencil, as mm. all art therapists will know, um, preaching to the converted there. But it really is, you know, back to frameworks. I guess that's where the expressive therapies continuum comes in and it's mm. really good to lead on that when you're sort of mm. figuring out where people are mm. um, in, their, in, their, in their journey. But try really hard to work on autonomy for kids because some kids are even navigating all of this within their own family. Mm. that I find really difficult, really difficult. Um, And it is a ripple effect. So there's quite a bit of psychoeducation that can be involved sometimes. Mm. And I think the best way to do that is by modelling. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And so, Lou, what is it that you like about being an art therapist? You've mentioned a few bits and bobs there. It's incredibly rewarding. It's incredibly Mm. rewarding. I limit myself now to three full days and then one day of admin um, Mm -hmm. because the admin for 
my private practice is anything to do with banking, which my brain doesn't <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> it's any education, it's professional development and supervision. And I, I just found because my own family, like we're a neurodivergent family, there's five mm-hmm. of us um, all navigating our own stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just found for my family that I needed a cutoff point. I've worked really hard at boundaries um, so that I can be present for my clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing I would open myself up to um, would be a group, like either a school, a group, which I'm pursuing at the moment, or like a carers group. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to work with carers. I find groups rewarding in that way, but I I couldn't do groups as a full-time job. That would just fry my brain, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, unmasking has been important for me. That's been a lovely journey and been supported well. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients love it. Mm. Um, they love it nothing more than if I trip over or make a noise or get pain on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just keeping it real as I would with my own um, kids. Mm. And, um, yeah, that's what I love about it. I love uh, also that um, I feel confident enough to do it. Um, you know, it's, it was such a big change for me. So... I feel I was like, what have I got to give? And it wasn't until I was sort of sitting in, uh, you know, hospital units in parent meetings with other clinicians and hearing the struggle the parents were going through and the struggle the kids were going through. And it was just so relatable to me that I just thought, well, my voice will count to a family like this. That's, that's how I keep doing. Keep telling myself, like my voice will count mm. to these families. It might be a different approach, um, but I can I can speak to it. And I am I I'm I have boundaries with my own experience, but I'm I'm also um, generous in many ways. And I find that creating a secure base and um, safety and trust and respect from the start is 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 all that needs really mm-hmm. yeah yep yeah and what about the challenges that you experience I experience a lot um <laughs> when no yes no yes no yes no I guess I try to balance the challenges mm. the challenges I experience um will be if there's a misalignment between parent and child mm. that's really difficult um because that ripple effect again, if the child, if the parent is wanting some sort of more behavioural things done, and and that's it's actually done with really good intentions. Mm. I know that it's uh, it's so that their child can cope in the world, and they're trying so hard, and that's really really important. It's really mm. important. It's. Mm. It's just a really difficult one to navigate and I can bring my experience and I also say I'm still I'm still working through this myself. I'm a work in progress, like I'm not perfect. Mm. Um, we learn from our mistakes and um, I've made plenty. So I think the challenges is that alignment um, and then, yeah, just um, I'm, I'm always learning. I've got several clients that are PDA, which is um, pathological demand avoidance, and mm-hmm. that 
you kind of have to switch your switch your hat a little bit to make sure you're accommodating them well in the session and I always want to do that but Mm. still be authentically me and actually the more authentic you can be um the much better it is for the relationship Mm. um so but I can see how those kids in particular would have a really difficult time coming up against some teachers and parents not all obviously because there's such great supports out there and and I really do have wonderful carers. All the care, mm. I'm really like the the clients I've attracted have really supportive families and mm. really wonderful. Um, you know, I learn so much from them as well. So, so I think probably some of the challenges are um, sometimes even navigating the teenage years for other physiological reasons mm-hmm. can be difficult, and. Um, yeah, just just making sure that we've all got our boundaries and remembering everyone's interests. Mm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> I get told off a lot and then I feel <laughs> I feel bad. I get reminded a lot and you know, don't entirely know what happened in World War Two. <laughs> so those sort of things like, you know, and also that purchasing stuff like they get so excited if I've purchased I'm I'm quite I think I might be quite generous with my materials but the Mm -hmm. materials help so much but um if I've forgotten something um I buy a lot of slime ingredients and you have to have the best and most Mm. expensive glue for that to work out so slime slime yeah, just whenever my clients come in and say, I just want to make slime, I'm like, right, what sort of week have you had? <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's very telling for me. Um, mm. Yeah, challenge. I'm not challenged by sort of non-speaking or anyone that might come across a certain way. I'm not challenged by that at all. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't, you know, um, yeah, that that's not a, not a problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm challenged by banking and admin. <laughs> They're very challenging, so that's fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like you hold people or you support people so well, Lou, so I'm just wondering what your self-care rituals are, what's your practices to keep your cup full? Look, I've had to learn this the hard way, I'd have to say, because I've I've not recognised my own burnout several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've... I've got um, fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition, and if I don't listen to it, it chooses what it will do. And Mm. I think I've got away with pushing through that for a good 20 years, but now combined with other aspects of my autumn years, um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's sort of making some choices for me. Um, So I've had to prioritise health and I've had to prioritise my family's needs more. And Mm -hmm. so... The best way to do that was to create some really defined boundaries. I, um, on the weekend, I always walk down by the Warrandyte River mm. and I, you know, I really reset down there and I literally let everything go and flow down the river. So I've done a lot of meditation and everything to make sure that I don't rain or, or hail, I go down there and do that. Mm. I I wish I did more art I um but 
I think probably what's happened to my studio space is it's become work, so I just sort of need to learn how to clear that a bit more. Mm. I wear a different perfume to work than I wear in my personal life so that I can, yeah, and it's a little bit like a male scent. So I just, it's just to, um, again, another way to kind of contain Mm. Um, but I, I deliberately do that so that when I'm at work, I'm very much, you know, in that workspace. And then when I'm in my personal life and with family and friends, I, mm. yeah, have a different, um, perfume mm. and I mean, I get supervision and I do yoga. My mm. yoga has changed over the years. I used mm-hmm. to fling from all sorts of things, but now I, <laughs> I I really love my yoga. It gets me back to start again and it's a bit more of a Drew yoga. My beautiful yoga teacher is studying art therapy as well. So oh. we, yeah, we have lots in common and it's just really nice. I'm able to meditate and, and if I can't see colours, that's my body's way of telling me because I can get blind pain mm. and, and not feel it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So. Mm-hmm. If I don't see colours when I'm meditating, I know that my body's not right. Hmm. Um, I've also just started doing like no lights, no lycra. Oh yeah, fantastic! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, I'm. I think I'm going to go fortnightly. But yeah, for those who might know, it's literally dancing in the dark, and it's just so free. And it's on the night where I've had most of my clients, so mm. I feel like I can shake, shake it out, and shake it off a bit. Mm. Um, what else do I do? Uh, if I'm feeling heightened or um, or if I've had a challenging time or something, um, I'll always use cold water. So I'll go and run my wrists under cold water, just get the vagus nerve, drink cold water. Water works for me, resetting. Mm. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah. connected to the river, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am connected to the flow of it. And mm. I've been trying to do sound walks lately mm. where you listen for as many sounds as you can possibly hear. Oh, gorgeous. And that's beautiful when you can get yourself to a point because I have a lot going on in my brain. Mm. I can wake up and have five soundtracks playing and I know <laughs> that's part of my divergence. And so... um the only way I can settle that is to come into the present and mm. I teach that to my clients as well. So if I go for a walk down the river, because I can hear conversations too. So if I'm in a restaurant or public place, I can I can often hear more than like I can hear more than three conversations going on. Mm. So it's hard for me to shut things out. So these nature walks, these sound walks have been great because you just go and you listen to what's happening around you until you can hear mm. a long way away. It's a nice way to reset. Yeah, that's gorgeous. I love listening yeah. to birds. Yeah. Um, Lou, what I know you said that you would like to be making more art, but when you do make art, what what are you drawn to? What materials or processes do you tend to? Since I've been in? discovering myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been quite expressive and really love um acrylics and collage and mixed mixed media Mm -hmm. um recently I found some posters that I'd bought backpacking that got ruined and wrecked so I ripped them all up and placed them over some old paintings and collaged that way I love 
I love sort of doing expressive. I love doing like a bilateral, get out of my head. Mm. And I I probably do that for myself. Uh, When I'm on holiday, oddly, I always take materials with me on holiday, but when I'm on holiday, I go the opposite and I'll draw a still life. Mm. So it's obviously got something to do with, you know, that disconnect. Mm. Um, So when I'm doing my own sort of reflective practice, it's really expressive or Mm. very like paint to music and calm. But when I'm on holiday, I'll go really detailed and I'll draw a vase with, you know, so I find that quite fascinating. Look, I yearn for more art. I do some art with some girlfriends. Um, It's so healing. Mm. (laughs) Crazy that I don't know about you whether you're doing much, but it's, um, yeah, it's silly. It's right there. Mm. Yeah. I tend to make a lot of art in sessions. So in some sort of way that fills my cup a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like working collaboratively. Ah, uh, just just I'm making my art alongside. Yeah. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, that's lovely work. It's so yeah. nice when you when you do that. Yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. And it's it can be a nice gift too, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I did notice is we've got rabbits at the clinic I'm at, and um, it shifted me from working um, like in front of each other to beside each other. Mm. and because of the rabbits and it it really shifted the dynamic so I've been more aware of that now yeah. and that sort of that concept of I'm um, you know across from you yeah right as opposed to I'm I'm alongside you so when you say because of the rabbits is that because of where they're positioned yeah, because or? they were just because I've got a lot of little ears the rabbits were making it so that I had to sort of sit next to my client with the rabbit in between us oh gotcha. and it completely <laughs> changed our relationship because yeah. the kids were just really opening up and mm-hmm. um the rabbits kind of acted as you know uh, the clinic I work for will love hearing this but but the rabbits really acted as a I don't know. It's like that triangular theory, isn't it? It's the mm. third, yeah, so the fourth, mm. the fourth element. Yeah, wow. They are a bit hard to navigate when you're making art. Yeah, I was going to say they're pretty <laughs> wriggly, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lou, for our final question, what advice can you offer up and coming art therapists or creative therapists? Bring yourself to the work. Because whatever you've got is what your clients need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really think I'm, I'm a big fan of if, your lived ex- if you've been able to heal and help your own lived experience, you can do that for others. Uh, do the work. <laughs> you know, it's the tail wagging the dog in this industry. Do the work. Do the hours get the experience, go to as many places as you can because don't leave anyone hanging. Make mm-hmm. sure you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, just keep learning, keep enjoying learning, keep trying new things and be open. Say yes, I think. Like say no if you need boundaries but say yes to new experiences because you just you don't know. You don't know where they'll go. And just Work on imposter syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I know one art therapist that doesn't experience no. that at some point. Yeah. 
and just keep connected to gorgeous people like you and your friends and, you know, yeah. make sure you've got your little tribe of people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Lou. Thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you. And thank you for sharing and being so open. It's yeah. been wonderful to oh, chat no, with you. I really loved it. Really loved it. Oh, all right. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It's a sunny day, so I hope I you get out there. I'm going to go for a walk by the river. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you again. Okay, take care. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Fat Moon Podcast. It's my pleasure to provide space for us to listen and learn from each other. If you wish to support the Fat Moon Podcast further, please give the show a review and a like. You can also head on over to the Patreon page and check out other ways you can support this project. Any of the topics that we discussed today will be linked in the show notes and you can find all the avenues to connect with today's guest. Finally, if you would like to be interviewed or have a creative therapist you would like to learn more about, please reach out and send your suggestions. So until next time, thank you, take good care, remain curiously creative and remember to rest. <laughs>